Brands on Brands. Hey, what's up, everyone? This week, we're talking all about personal brand design and social media for your personal brand with Philip Van Dusen, creative director, YouTuber extraordinaire. Check it out. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal branding coach, and today is another interview show. We have with us today former creative director, current YouTube star with over 270,000 subscribers for his channel, which talks a lot about graphic design, brand strategy, personal branding. Uh, his name is Philip Van Dusen. He has over 25 years of experience in brand strategy, graphic design, and creative leadership for some of the world's most successful global retailers and strategic branding agencies. For example, he held the position of vice president, head of design for Global Snacks at PepsiCo, where he was responsible for the identification, creation, management, and execution of comprehensive brand design strategies that had major impact on the growth of these multi-billion dollar brands across the global Frito-Lay portfolio, including, you know, things you've had, Lay's, Potato Chips, Doritos, Cheetos, Sun Chips, Tostitos, all the things, the bites, the treats, <laughs> snacks, you've had these. And this is where Philip cut his teeth and got his experience. And after 25 years, you know, he's been in the game with the major players. As a creative entrepreneur and principal of his own agency and global brand consultancy called Verhal Brand Design, Philip is a recognized industry thought leader who shares his experience in marketing, design, and entrepreneurship. Like I said, he has that YouTube channel with over 270,000 subscribers in his Brand Muse newsletter. He also shares his tidbits and on his Brand Design Masters podcast. Uh, he also has an online community for, on Facebook called Brand Design Masters. All of this you can find by going to philipvandusen.com. That is Philip, P H I L I P, that's one L, Van, V A N, Dusen, D U S E N.com, philipvandusen.com, and checking him out. Check out his personal brand website and his agency website and everything there. Also, if you want to get to know him better, he runs a academy called branddesignmasters.com. That's for graphic designers looking to build their own personal brand and expertise. Uh, lots going on. Also, he gives away a freebie, which he'll mention, but that's at philipvandusen.com forward slash PBW. It's his personal brand wheel for finding clarity with your personal brand. You can check that out as well. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Philip Van Dusen, to the show. Philip, first off, thank you for being here, man. Thanks, Brandon. I'm really happy to be on the show. Me too. And I already started this off all messed up. I'm like, Philip Van Dusen. Like I got the name all jacked up. It's it's one of those days, guys. It's all right. We're going to get into this. It's going to be fun. And so Philip and I, we met at Social Media Marketing World, not this last one, but the one before. So we've seen each other a couple of times now. Uh, I've been on his show and he reminded me that I hadn't invited him in here, which is ridiculous. Straight. It's right. ridiculous. 
knowing that Philip's background, like we are, like we come from the same industry. You've been doing this forever. Uh, your YouTube channel is killer. One of the better ones I've seen talking to creative professionals and entrepreneurs about brand design and all, all the things under the spectrum in terms of creativity there. I would love to start in that realm a little bit, this idea of uh, brand design, brand strategy. We'll get into the personal branding stuff too and how you built your business, but let's just start with a little bit of ground setting here. How do you think about just the category of brand design, strong brand design? Like, Why does this matter? Why is it important to people? When I talk about brand design, I basically talk about some, it's a very easy kind of three R's, which are being recognized, being remembered, and being revered. Those are kind of the big three things that you want to do. And brand design is really about the first one for the most part, which is being recognized. When people, you know, our world is, we are in a info and content tsunami right now. We are completely overwhelmed with the amount of content in our feeds constantly flowing through on our phones. And we are exposed to, it used to be that people would be exposed, you know, we could talk about brand impressions, right? People would be exposed to 20, 30, 40 brand impressions in the old days. And I would say now in the digital world, we probably have thousands of brand impressions a day. And so it's very important that when you are showing up in the digital world that people can understand and recognize you as being you right so when it comes to design that is coming across in exactly the same sort of visual way in the same sort of tone of vote voice same sort of themes of content so when people come across you they recognize that it's you and it used to be that they people would say that it would take five brand impressions before people would actually have a level of trust or recognition to be able to make a move or make a purchase. Now it's something like they've done some studies where it's something like 35 or 40. So it's even more important that every time someone comes across your content or you or your brand, that people can recognize that it's you. This is your logo. This is your color scheme. This is sort of photography that you use. The visual trappings that you are allowed to use to, you know, decorate a profile, right? From your photo, your avatar, the banners, the colors, the fonts that you use in all of your social posts, as well as all your social platforms, as well as your website. Yeah. What's funny is what comes to mind is when my wife does a lot of cooking and, you know, they say you eat with your eyes. And I think that for branding a lot, like now that we are our own media companies these days, for anyone who's really trying to build their reputation online, you are your own media company. And I think about that sometimes, like you eat with your eyes. Like, why do we spend so much time when we're creating like visual media and social posts and YouTube videos, the elements that get ignored for especially new creators and new people trying to get themselves started is that visual element. Is that like thumbnail? Is that first six seconds, that first 30 seconds that it was going to keep people around and that's going to bring people into the, your world and so I think about that a lot. And honestly, looking at your channel on YouTube, uh, which, you know, I'm like, this is what you guys can model. It's He's got 270,000 subscribers. And this is a niche B2B topic. You know, this isn't like you talking about Pokemon or something, you know, and I'm looking at your channel, I'm like these are cleanly designed, you know, graphical thumbnails, things like, can we geek out about thumbnails for a minute here? <laughs> yeah, know? let's do it. How are you thinking about like, 
because you're not applying all the the trends to your your thumbnails, or are you? Because I'm not seeing like the no. newest fonts and whatever else. So how do you no. think about this for your personal brand when you're thinking about design? Well, when thumbnails are really important in YouTube, and I I chose a particular format and design layout very early on in my YouTube channel, and I stuck to that religiously for like six years. I'm actually just starting to kind of tweak it a little bit and get a little more. Um, experimental trying some a b testing and whatnot but one of the things you have to keep in mind about youtube thumbnails is that over 50 percent of the time people are encountering your youtube thumbnail on their phone so your youtube thumbnail is not four by five inches sitting on a laptop it's not big you're looking at a thumbnail that's three quarters of an inch by a half an inch so it's your thumbnail has to do a whole lot of work in a really really tiny form factor on your phone. And so you don't really have a lot of room to communicate. So you've got to keep your title super short. You have to, you know, keep the, uh, the, the photo of you or some sort of visual attraction, um, very emotional. So it's driving people to be curious. And you also want to make sure that you're using very consistent type treatments and very consistent color because people have to be able to recognize when they're scrolling that super fast thumb scroll that that video that they just zoomed by was you and they're like oh i i remember that guy and i'll zoom back and i'll check out the video and so paying attention to how you brand your thumbnails in a very consistent way and leveraging design elements color type photography style and even layout in terms of where your head is and where the imagery is or where the where the graphic element is. Um, all those things are really important so people can recognize you when they come across you. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go back. And I think you get a chance to redesign these things. The people I talk to, you can go back, change out things that have already posted. And it's very possible that with a new title and a new you know, graphical element at the beginning, you can even re-edit like the first two, three minutes, which is when most of the drop-off happens. There's a way to continue to see if your videos can pick up steam uh, when this is the road you take. What I am, I think, I think what I want to dive into next, because we can go a lot of places, is I'd like to just get real about what we've been seeing that's happening right now. We were just at this conference with a lot of things happening. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit before the call, before the show here, that, you know, what they were focusing on is a little different than what we maybe think about as important. Uh, but maybe you can tell us what you were seeing as some of the things that were trending, some of the things they were talking more about uh, at the Social Media Marketing World Conference. One of the things that I think is underrated is engagement. I think everyone's really concerned about pumping out tons of content, you know, being in the feed constantly, showing up all the time, scheduling your posts, using chat GPT to, you know, create twice as much content as you used to create. And so everyone's really concerned with like banging the stuff out. And one of the you know, a couple of the talks that I heard there, both of them happened to be on Instagram um, as a topic were about engagement. And I think that only half of the equation really is getting the content up. The other half is what do you do after it's up and people like it or they comment on it or they share it? How do you turn that into a true relationship builder? How do you turn that into a, you know, a networking tool. And I was interviewing a guy named Richard Moore, who's a LinkedIn expert on my podcast a couple months ago. 
And he said this quote that I keep saying over and over and over again, which is really brilliant, which is comments are content too. And he uses commenting and tagging people and asking questions on LinkedIn content, not even his own content, but other people's content to draw people in and build engagement and build relationships and establish relationships. And I think that that's one of those things that I think that people underestimate uh, the importance of when it comes to posting content. It's like, for instance, when I started my YouTube channel within the first four four years maybe or so that I had my YouTube channel, I answered every single comment that I got. And after, you know, after my channel started to really grow, I started to get a lot of comments from people saying, wow, I had no idea you were going to answer my, my comment. This is really amazing. You answer every comment in all your videos. This is incredible. It's unheard of. And eventually my channel grew to the point where it was, I got so many comments, I couldn't keep up. But at those formative stages, really seeing people, seeing the people who liked your video or took the time to comment on your video and give you their feedback and having them feel seen and feel heard was one of those things that I think really galvanized my subscribership and my followers, that they saw me as a real person who cared, not only caring, putting out the content, but caring that they commented on it, they liked it, or they you know, um, they shared it somewhere. And I think that that's something that we as content creators or anyone who's thinking about content creation needs to pay more attention to is how do you engage after it's posted? How do you keep that conversation going in a meaningful way? And even for people who don't post content, this is one of those places where you can truly build your business. But if you use the comment section and tagging others and asking questions and engaging with the content creator, these are ways that you can enter into the content world without actually having to post and make connections and make friends and add value to people and be recognized by others that you are bringing value to the table without ever having to start a YouTube channel or a podcast. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, there's long form content like blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels versus just being present on social media versus like the short form wave that's coming of, you know, like six second, really engaging videos up to 30 second a minute, one minute videos. Where do you stand in terms of what's important or what's your mindset towards of like, how do I create this or how should someone be leveraging these tools? Well, yeah, let's talk about short form content. So, sure. I mean, in the last year, two years, short form has taken over the internet right? Every single platform it started with Instagram going to reels and then YouTube had to do shorts. And then, you know, it's just on and on and on and everyone's pushing it. And, you know, TikTok was obviously the, the OG of that, but I kind of consider it to be like the entertainmentification of social media, right? It's all turned into everybody's 15 seconds of fame. And we've become even more addicted to this massive, minute hit of, of, you know, endorphins that you get from that thumb scroll and that little bit of information. And so our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And the amount of truly valuable information that you can give in that kind of a period of time is 
dramatically reduced. Now, I don't want to sound like the old fart who's like, oh, I remember when 10 minute videos were all you could do. Short form has its place. And I do short form too, but I do it in a way that I balance it with my long form, more substantial content. And I think that that is, I think that that's one of the things that we should pay attention to. And as a content, if you're thinking about content creator, short form is a lot easier to do. It's a lot easier to get into, but it also, you are kind of hamstringing yourself in terms of what you can really cover in any kind of depth that's going to build people's you know, view of you as an expert in what you do, it's going to hamstring that too. So I think that, you know, it's an important format to 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 play with and be entertained by, sure. But I think that you also, if you're looking to use social media to build uh, a personal brand and expertise online, you've got to really look at it as only a piece of the the puzzle. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, well, with so someone from Social Media Marketing World that spoke, I'm not going to say their name. I was really impressed with them and what they were able to build through TikTok and also through Reels uh, on Instagram. And I'm talking like, you know, within a few videos, they found a nice way to go viral and, and pull, you know, three plus million views of some of their videos that were very tactical videos towards their expertise. So it'd be, you know, like me talking about personal brand or podcasting, or you talking about something in the design space, but they made it entertaining and fun. This was that keynote, right? The yeah. Keynote, we're yeah, talking about the yeah. same person. Yeah. yeah. So, and love them. And I'm, but I'm like, man, the, it, it, with 3 million views of something and, you know, a million plus followers, the conversion of that into business being right. mere, you know, like hundreds, which is great for if you're getting started, but like hundreds from millions is a bad conversion rate or, (laughs) you know, considering that getting millions is like, you have to have special talent like she had. And I don't have that yet. Right. I haven't figured out the magic, you know, thing that people are like, wow, like 3 million people want to see Brandon do this flip upside down, down a mountain and also talk about personal branding. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have that, but effective if you can master that creativity. But I've also seen people who just by being consistent on a platform like LinkedIn or something else can build easily, you know, a hundred or so business relationships that, you know, that convert with much smaller views. So knowing that I can nurture relationships and really think towards the hundred or, you know, the thousand true fans for me, I think is a a goal that resonates as more doable for more people. What do you think about that? I totally agree. I think that, you know, view numbers, subscriber numbers are so, you know, they're so addictive, right? It's so, it's an ego stroke and it's, we're, as human beings, we want acceptance. We want people to like us. And when we get that little dopamine hit of seeing, you know, that our TikTok video got 500,000 views or whatever that is, we're like, oh, people love me. But if it doesn't translate into something meaningful for your business, it's just an ego stroke that you're putting out there. And so it's, I think it's really important to pay attention to the true fans than it is the people who are just flipping through and looking for 15 seconds of entertainment. I, I, I'm reminded of this 
this video I saw once of Gary Vaynerchuk, who was in a Q&A session. And this like this little 12-year-old kid got up to ask him a question and said, you know, I have this YouTube channel and I have I have 20 subscribers and I want to get to a thousand. How do I do that? And Gary said, you know, yes, you could you could push out content and do a whole bunch of tricks to get a thousand subscribers. But if if you have 20 subscribers who really hang on your every word and are meaningful to you, and they're the people who, you know, your content is really important to, those are the people that matter. It's not about numbers. And I'm I'm a I'm a full subscriber of that. I mean, one of the things that's, you know, about my YouTube channel is that my YouTube channel. When I did, I've done a, a trend video on graphic design trend every year for like the last four years. The second one that I did blew up. It went viral. It was picked up by a major design website. And I got like 80,000 new subscribers overnight. My mailing list went from 3,000 to 13,000 like overnight. And that was wonderful and made me feel like a superstar for like five seconds. But what I realized was my open rate for my emails went way down because those people signed up, but they weren't really engaged in what I was doing. They didn't really care about what I was doing. They just loved that video and they gave me their email address really quickly. And they loved that video, but they didn't come back and watch all my more substantive level, you know, brand strategy and content marketing and all those sorts of videos that I do. So I ended up having you know, it pushed me from, I think it was 60,000 to 130,000 subscribers overnight, which was great. Got me my, you know, silver play button, which is behind me on the wall. But these were subscribers who were empty subscribers. They were not truly engaged in what I was doing. And so numbers can be so deceptive. And so it's really more important that I had that first 60,000 people who really were hanging on my every word than 130 who could, you know, the other, the new 80 who could really care less. And then I've, you know, in the subsequent years from there, I've gone from 130 to 275, but I went from 130 to 275, like 2000 every month. You know, I mean, it was slow. It was like, I worked for every one of those subscribers and those people are deeply engaged. But I think there's a lesson there for anybody in the fact that, yeah, you can do something or get lucky and go viral and blow up, but are those the people that really are going to matter in the long run for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that there's something there though. I think it's both, right? It's an and, not an or. Like create the thing that's going to bring attention to you because then you're like, there's a role for that. There's a role for saying, you know what, this type of thing that I created help build what we would call, you know, a proof of clout, proof of authority in the market that didn't come just because the one video was viral. It became, it, you know, there's some backup to that as well. And you, it's like, if you, you talk the talk, but you could also walk the walk, uh, which I think matters. So I think what it comes down to me is where do you create or like, where's your most natural place to create for you? Like I start there. If it's most natural for you to create short videos and make them entertaining and then leverage that into some type of thought leadership, great. If it's, for me, it's most natural to create in this more like sit down contemplative environment uh, at first without a camera on, cause that kind of messed me up. And then eventually with the camera on uh, and then to, you know, get my ideas out. Cause I think the ideas are what matter. 
and then figure out now, how do I repackage that in a way that can work in other places, but maybe not as well as the people who are creating there organically. That's fine. And then if I can do that consistently over time and keep delivering, then the people who need to find me will. And the relationships that need to develop will. And the referrals that need to come from the work that I do, they will come. And for me, it's long-term. What I love about YouTube and podcasts and blogs too is that you can, they're, they're evidence over time, right? It's like you can check out the hundreds and thousands of videos that are posted and say, this is what this person stands for. There's evidence that that exists. So I like your model for doing that as well. I think we have similar ways to create and talk about things. I'd like to talk a little bit about, because we talked about LinkedIn a little bit, but I think we can dive into that more because it is different. You mentioned the comments. Uh, they handle comments different than other people. When you post a comment on someone's uh, post, it can show up in your feed to your people like that he's commenting on this and he liked this post. It's just a different environment entirely, you know, good and bad. There's lots of spam and things like that too in the DMs. Um, but let's talk about LinkedIn. How do you like to leverage LinkedIn? How do you think about the platform and what are you seeing that excites you? Well, there's so many things about LinkedIn. Um, one of the things I wanted to comment just right out of the gate is that LinkedIn, and we were talking about this before we hit record, which is that LinkedIn, it's very rare that we as business people get to experience a social media platform, which is just about to blow up. Like being on that apex watershed moment where we, if we get in now and we start utilizing it the way we should, when it really ramps up, we are going to be sitting pretty. And that is exactly where we are with LinkedIn. LinkedIn for ages and ages was just this really dry business platform. Our feeds look boring. It was like people just posting repurposed content articles from on, from Forbes and New York Times and stuff like that. And LinkedIn has now built all of this functionality, which has made it a perfect platform for content creators and creative professionals and entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I'm utilizing right now is new newsletters. I was putting out an email newsletter to my email list for, I've been doing it for the last seven years. And in the last uh, year and a half, LinkedIn has dove deeply into newsletters, taking their um, regular article posting sort of format and turning it into um, a newsletter format that you could subscribe to. And so I took my email newsletter and I just took that and I repurposed it on LinkedIn and now publish it on LinkedIn. So there's people who subscribe to me in my email list, but also people who subscribe to me on LinkedIn, same newsletter, just a different format. And the cool thing about it is that when someone subscribes to your newsletter on LinkedIn, they actually get an email that you have posted and that newsletter gets sent to them through their email that they have hooked up to LinkedIn. And so you get multiple um, kind of exposure opportunities there. And they've also added functionality around your ability to post video, go live, post, um, you know, you can kind of game the system of how you list your uh, list your your job listings in your profile to be able to post portfolio materials, PDFs. They've gotten deeply into carousels. You know, they took the whole Instagram thing and, and carousels have now blown up on LinkedIn. They used to limit you to 10 slides on a carousel. Now there's no limit. So you could, it's basically like SlideShare. You could put on, you could put a, a slideshow up there that's 60 slides long. And so they've been 
morphing that platform into something that is incredibly deeply functional and a lot of people are just coming up to speed on how to use it and that they can use it. And the beautiful thing about LinkedIn is that it is a business platform. People go there to network, find connections, do business, connect with people. When they go there, they are in a business mindset. They're not going there to find cat videos. They're not going there to see someone dance about, you know, I don't know, hiking. You know, it's not some random, you know, kind of potpourri of whatever you've going to come across. It's like you're pretty clear what you get when, you, when you're when you going to go to LinkedIn, which is fabulous. Here's the other major mind-blowing statistic that I came across recently, which is that there are 9 billion pieces or impressions of content on LinkedIn every week, right? So people going to LinkedIn are get a brand impression or read something or experience something 9 billion times a week on LinkedIn. But here's the killer thing is that there are only 3 million pieces of content published on LinkedIn every week. And if you do that math, that means that say every piece of content got exactly the same amount of views, right? That means every piece of content on LinkedIn gets 3,000 impressions on it. Now, of course, some get 50,000, 100,000, some get 20, but the ratio to impressions, to content are incredibly advantageous to the poster on LinkedIn. You know, platforms like Instagram or TikTok, everyone is posting. It's a lot of it's a dreck, right? And people are just going on to experience something entertaining. But LinkedIn is one of those platforms where A, you have a great chance of getting a lot of eyeballs on your content. People are there for business and it's at a moment where it's not, you know, it's not being overpopulated by a bunch of crap. It's still very, for the most part, very high quality content in your feed. And that's where you want to, that's where you want to step into a social platform, right? Yeah. Well, and it's, I think the one place where the things you would celebrate as a business community would actually get traction. So I've seen people say, Hey, you know, last week I went to this event and I met these seven people uh, and it was great seeing them. And they tagged the seven people and they talk about what they, you know, what the value was of the event uh, and that kind of thing. And those posts don't get buried. They get shown to the people that are first degree connections for the most part in that person's feed and to the people that are like linked in the comments. And those people will comment and say, yeah, it was great seeing you. And it, there's this, there is this still like old school social network effect where it is, it is your friends and colleagues that are involved and you are sharing these experiences across uh, different people's profiles. And that I feel like has been lost across other, it's like all entertainment on all the other channels at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Some thought leadership and things like that. Um, but it's like, what's going to juice the algorithm? Whereas on LinkedIn, it's like, people are like, if you can consistently just share real, like valuable resources and experiences and shout outs to people who've made a difference, like you can like old school networking, whether it's industry-based or like local or geography-based, you can do some like real awareness building on a platform like this. So I, I think the tool is is proven valuable in that regard as well. 
One thing that I think is broken right now, this is my little bitch session. One thing that's really broken about LinkedIn right now is the DM section, because a lot of technology has come around that makes it very easy to uh, create automated posting and direct messaging on LinkedIn. And people are taking advantage of this. And I am getting, you know, there's also a lot of bots that are connecting and sending DMs on LinkedIn. And so I'm getting a lot of pitches that are just, you know, people haven't read my profile, you know, they don't really know what I do. They're trying to like get a zoom, like, Hey, you want to connect on a zoom? And it's like, why, why would I want to connect with you? you? You're not even in a business that makes any sense for me. And so I'm kind of getting buried in, in bad DM spam on LinkedIn. And I really think that they got to address that. And the other thing I would say for people who are leveraging LinkedIn for their businesses, be really smart about how you use DMs because they can be very powerful and you can, you know, launch deep, meaningful conversations. And I've gotten clients through the DMs of LinkedIn, but if you're spamming people or, or not doing your due diligence in providing some value before you do it and ask from somebody, you are just totally shooting yourself in a foot. I mean, my favorite thing and my I ask anyone who wants to send me a DM without reading my profile, when you connect with me, send me your pitch in the connection request. And it's like, I can just deny you right there. See if everybody's some trouble because there's nothing like having someone connect with you. And then the very next message you get is like this, this cold pitch. It's horrible. And I just unconnect with people right away. Yeah. Same. It's, it's a kind of a waste of time, but then you can see the opposite opportunity there, which is, how noticeable is it when someone you are connected with introduces you in a group message to someone that they think is a valuable connection for you? Those things completely stand out, A, because of the multiple names, B, because you recognize the people uh, as people that you are connected with in some way. And they could be second degree connections or people that you've vaguely run across, across three years ago or something, but an introduction like that stands out. And for me, like sometimes more than email, cause that can get buried in email pretty easily. Um, but on a DM, I notice that cause it's not like fake, like it says in mail, in mail, you know, like the, like yeah. they pay, they had to pay to get a hold of me or a complete stranger. Like those things really stand out. And I think that's the power of, of somewhere where you can recognize how are these connections, um, starting to be built for sure. I'd like to talk a little bit as we kind of are coming towards the end here, Things that for you, if people are getting started uh, kind of thinking about their personal brand, they might be established in their careers or in their business, but they're starting to think about, uh, I want to start to get my ideas out there and, you know, build my personal brand. What are some of the steps or first things that you would think about to help get someone moving in that direction? Well, step number one is like, what's your value? Like, what do you bring on the table that means anything to anybody is going to help people? Because when you're starting a company or a brand, the first thing you do is a brand positioning statement. You establish some strategy for your business. What am I delivering? Who am I delivering it to? Why am I better? Why am I different? And so as a personal brand where you are starting to make, trying to make a name for yourself, establish some sort of reputation online, you got to start there. You have to start with what is my expertise? What am I bringing to the table? What is that value? Who is it going to help? And then how do I 
put myself in front of those people. What platform do they hang out on? What do they do? Who are they? So you start there. And then the next step really is to decide on a platform. So everyone, you know, you got to have a home base. You got to have some sort of real estate that you own. You do not want to build your entire personal brand on borrowed land on social media. You want to have something that you own. So having a website, having an email list that you start building, those two things are hyper important. The next is deciding, you know, where are you going to show up? What is the most appropriate platform for you? You know, if you're in the B2B space, is that TikTok? Probably not, right? So you got to just like think about it a little bit. And then once you choose a platform, I highly recommend people start with one. Try not to be everywhere all the time because you just end up showing up thin and poorly wherever you're showing up. So choose one platform, go all in on it. And then you start to think about what kind of value you're going to bring and how you're going to bring that. What kind of content are you going to bring? That could start off by being curated. You could just share important articles that you think people should read and then start creating your own content, whatever that is, written, audio, video. And then moving on to the next stage is, is engagement, which is what we were talking about a lot earlier, which is that putting out the content is only one piece of the puzzle. The next is what happens after that. How do you build a following and how do you build deep relationships within that following? And so that's where the circle kind of comes in into, uh, into play. And I have this great tool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this tool with your listeners, um, I developed a proprietary uh, tool called the personal brand wheel, which is an assessment tool that anyone who wants to build a personal brand can use. Because when you think about personal branding, it can be very complex, right? There are a lot of moving parts of it. You know, this brand. So getting your head around what it is that you need to do and what you need to do next is one of those things that when people are just starting off, it helps to get some clarity around. And even if you've build, been building a brand for a long time, you may feel like you're kind of slacking on some area or you're missing something. This tool is a great, um, very easy to use visual tool where you can map your personal brand activities on it. And it will give you a bit of an assessment of where you're performing, where you got your dookie together and where you don't, where you may need to do a little work. And so if you go to my website, philipvandusen.com, slash PBW for personal brand wheel, you can download this PDF and uh, it's it's free and uh, your listeners might really like it if you're working on a personal brand and want to get some clarity around where you are with it. I think that's super helpful. I appreciate you sharing that. I think for listeners, like why not get a gauge of where you can go and where you're currently at with the tool that's completely easy to access, doesn't cost you a thing, takes a little bit of time. You do have to figure out how to spell philipvandusen.com forward slash PBW, but, but that's going to be in the show notes. It is Philip with one L. You know, that's the tricky part. I messed me up a couple of times. And you also have to pronounce Philip correctly, right? At the beginning. Yeah, not Philippe. Yeah. Or what? Yeah. Wilhelm. Oh, Vil yeah, Philip. Philip von Dusen. Yes. <laughs> uh, but guys, the, the reason we bring these people on is because 
A, they've already established credibility. I've done that for you. I've brought them on, but go check out these tools that they create just for you to help take those first steps or get that clarity that you might need to have the confidence to move forward. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us today and with dropping a lot of knowledge. And we've had a lot of back and forth conversation, which is a nice change. I do a lot of like, hey, just tell me all the things you know, and let's just get that out. But sometimes it's nice to have a conversation of things that are really happening right now in marketing with someone who I, I trust and I know, like we have these conversations in private. It's nice to share those publicly. So thank you for bringing yeah. that today. Oh, it's awesome being on the show, Brandon. Any final thoughts for our listeners as we're wrapping up here? No, but I got to say your show has been so inspirational to me. And, um, you know, you were doing podcast shorts for a while, which I was like, this is so cool. Like I hadn't even thought of doing that. And so basically I kind of took on that idea and I'm, I've been repurposing my YouTube videos as podcast shorts. And um, so I, I applaud you for everything you're doing for the podcasting world. And um, it's uh, it's great knowing you. And I'm really glad we ran into each other in social media marketing world a couple of years ago. And, uh, and uh, anybody who's listening to this, keep listening because brand on brands knows his stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Thank you. And as you guys always know, we're here for you. Check out all the resources, all the things you need to find at brandsonbrands.com. But just keep on tuning in. Check out, Philip has a great podcast and YouTube channel. Check those out. Get all these resources. It's all there for you to learn, to move forward, to take your step into stepping into who, into who you want to be, the next version of you to build your life, build your dreams, build your business, whatever you need to do. Appreciate you guys for listening. And as always, we'll catch you next time. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to brandsonbrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandsonbrands.com.